Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another episode of Crossing Soccer Borders, a podcast focused on the growth of CONCACAF soccer and part of the DynamoTheory.com podcast network. I am Rudy. And I am Rodrigo. And tonight we have plenty of soccer to talk about. Rodrigo, how you been? How was your weekend? I've been pretty good. Uh, went down to Houston for the weekend. We had um, a quinceanera to go to Saturday night and then just came back uh, Sunday afternoon. Um, you know, had to come back and catch the CONCACAF uh, final, Gold Cup final. But yeah, uh, it's busy weekend traveling. Uh, I guess mostly on the road, but it was good. Uh, what about yourself? Not too bad, man. Honestly, I just I got, I was pretty busy on Friday. I took the day off to uh, do a few errands and stuff, but I felt like I was running all over the city. And then Saturday, pretty much rested, which was great. And then uh, I even <laughs> Dynamo played against Real Salt Lake, and I was like, man, it's literally just gonna be pretty much me going. So, and I really didn't feel like it for some reason, which I, I always look forward to the games. But I was like, I don't know if it was because it was hot or whatever. And I'm kind of glad I didn't because it was a 0-0 tie against Real Salt Lake. You know, the Houston Dynamo Tyn- doing their thing. But, uh, and then Sunday, I pretty much just went to church and then met up with a friend uh, in downtown. And that was pretty much it, man. And like you said, obviously... Watch the Gold Cup, of course, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to break down uh, the Gold Cup final, uh, give our perspective of what we saw, and uh, definitely I feel like, you know, I hope a lot of the people listening don't think we're completely, like, against the U.S. national team, because I don't think we are. We just do mention the fact that we are both from Mexico, and when the two play each other, we're always going to rep for Mexico. But, Rodrigo, you want to start talking about the Gold Cup and we can start breaking it down um, wherever you want to start, man. Man, I thought we were here to praise the U.S. and bash Mexico. That's what I thought we were going to talk about. Honestly, I think that's exactly what's going to end up happening. So, I guess, you know what? I'll go ahead and start. I'll go start with, uh, you know, very in the, in the very beginning, we talked about how this was the U.S., uh, you know, B team, C team, D team, whatever you want to call it. And in the very beginning of the tournament, the team seemed that way, right? They were just not necessarily clicking uh, at all cylinders. They were playing oh, like they were playing okay. There were definitely plenty of errors, uh, and they were just you know beating teams one zero. Obviously, there was that one uh, big scoring uh, match against uh, Martinique, if I'm not mistaken. But apart from that, it was one of those uh, you know the team was barely getting into rhythm. Uh, I think. We all know that the players that were picked, even though they play mostly in the MLS, they're all very talented players. There's a few little um, sparkling players from Europe, like, uh, I forgot his first name, but it's a Hoppe, Hoppe um, from Chalke. Uh, dude kind of showed up, young guy that it seems a lot of people 
see that um, Dempsey vibe to him. So it was great to see them, you know, come along and win this tournament. I mean, ourselves, it's not that we didn't give them credit. We always knew that the U.S.-Mexico was probably going to be the final. Uh, the thing here was, could this team beat Mexico? And this Mexico team, it was I mean, you we can say it. I mean, it was like 90% what it tends to be, right? There's maybe a few players. I think key players being uh, your goalie, you're not having Ochoa playing, and obviously not having a true striker. Um, at least, you know, someone with a little bit more of that international um, international playing-wise, unlike, you know, Funemori. Funemori was good. He started out slow himself. Then picked it up and then just kind of died, right? Like he was just not on it, especially in the final. And we saw that, and there was really no answer for that. And uh, and I guess we can start breaking up the final, man. Rodrigo, in your perspective, how did the U.S. manage to, you know, I mean, we know like what it took to win this match, obviously. But what do you think? Um, what helped excel? Yeah, sorry. What helped the U.S. excel and beat this uh, Mexican team? All right. First of all, I'm going to start off uh, by saying something I don't think you mentioned, but congrats to the U.S. on winning the Gold Cup, most importantly. Um, but yeah, I mean, their success, uh, especially against Mexico, was just playing solid defense. Um, I think as far as their communication, breaking down, you know, um, the the Mexican offense, I think that they did a very good job of that. They did a very good job at pressing when they needed to. Um, obviously trying to find like a counter or something like that, trying to get uh, the ball away. And then there was times that they just successfully did that and were just kind of hammering Mexico in the back um, once they were able to get the pressure out of their side. Uh, you know, we saw it for a good 10, 15 minutes, um, especially towards the end of the game or the end of the regulation time. They were just going at Mexico, um, you know, that – it, it kind of seemed like, okay, you know, the U.S. is going to score here. And then Mexico, you know, just kind of came back on and started to do their own thing and, you know, keeping more possession, controlling the game more, creating obviously more opportunities. Um, it was just a back and forth game, a really good game to watch. Um, you know, this is kind of like what we talked about before, like these are the games that we want to watch, um, both, you know, uh, teams going at it. Um, basically looking for that knockout punch, um, especially when it's like, you know, um, a tough match and it's anybody's game at that point. But honestly, the U.S. played well. You know, we'll, we'll get more in depth with that. But what it reminded me for them, the whole tournament, was the um, Spain's World Cup, uh, uh, I guess 2010 World Cup, uh, when they lifted the trophy. It was really just, you know, not poor performance success, but they did just enough to win. And I think this is exactly what this U.S. team did to, um, in this tournament. You know, they barely got that 1-0 win for the most part almost every single game. Um, they had that, you know, 6-1 against um, Martinique. But other than that, everything was really close. And I mean, as far as Mexico, I think they kind of had the same path by minimal margin as well. Uh, but I think what really affected this squad mostly, other than the key players you mentioned that they missed, was um, Lozano. You know, Chucky is a big part of this team or for what this Gold Cup represented. Like he, he was one of the key players to be in this tournament. Um, I think they expected that, especially taking other young players to the Olympics. I think they kind of wanted him just for this one. And unfortunately, 
you know, first game in, 15 minutes into the first game, um, he's basically out for four weeks or so. So that, that was probably the biggest impact um, Mexico had early on. Yeah, and I think you have players in the U.S. that honestly picked it up, right? Like a Kellen Acosta that he, you know, for a while he was getting a bunch of crap and he was playing. I mean, it's kind of weird because he's, I, I see it at him as like a box-to-box number eight, even though he was playing a more central kind of defensive midfielder. But the dude was literally all over the pitch, creative, creating for the U.S. as well as disrupting what Mexico was doing. And, you know, again, the team, I feel like there's some players that like uh, Paul Ariola, I, I don't understand. Uh, you know, he came in and since he came in, you know, kind of midway through the um, uh, the tournament and took over as the captain uh, above Leggett. The guy wasn't doing much, right? Like, he was definitely not on it. He was very slow, not necessarily participating on building an attack. So whenever he was sub, that's when everything changed for the U.S. I think, like, it opened up um, chances for them to score, of course, with uh, Busio coming in, uh, Sam Bynes coming in, a lot of young, talented players that are doing very well in the MLS, right? Um, they're just, they, I think they have a group that play that was in this tournament that a lot of them could easily get picked up by in, like a European team. I'm not saying they're going to go to like a, you know, a Barcelona or a Real Madrid because, you know, that's, that's not the way it tends to be. That's how Mexico wants to be, right? I know um, Mexican players and Mexican owners of this uh, Mexican teams, all they want to do is sell their stars for like a bunch of money to like big um, European teams that don't get any playing time at the end of the day. Uh, instead of seeing, you know, young guys from the U.S., like a Reggie Cannon going to like a Boa Vista and playing, you know, day in and day out um, and, and getting that opportunity uh, to be able to play. Uh, the only thing that I want to, before I let you talk a little bit more, I just do want to mention the fact that um, seeing all of your three strikers in the Mexican side. You know, you had uh, Tecatito Corona, uh, Funes Mori, Rogelio Funes Mori and Mellizo, and Oribe, uh, Oribe. <laughs> Orbelin Pineda all come out. That says a lot from the U.S. because they shut down that attacking, you know, to an extent. And Mexico had no answer for it. I mean, you know, they put in a Rodolfo Pizarro, which right now he's not at his best level. And an Alan Pulido that hadn't played. Two guys that hadn't really played in you know, they were expecting for them to do something. And that was just never going to be the answer. Uh, Rodrigo, what else do you want to mention? I do have something else I want to mention, but keep going, man. Yeah. Um, and like we mentioned with the U.S. or and as he said, with like Reggie Cannon, this are, there's only a handful. This win for the U.S. is, a you know, positive and a, I guess negative for this team uh, exactly. Just because... You know, they they did what they needed to do, which was win the tournament, as, you know, the critics always gave them, um, I guess, a hassle on, you know, this is a C team, this is a B team, whatever it is. Um, they did it. You know, they went out there, they won the tournament, but it just sucks that we know that a handful of players are only going to be picked for the next, the main squad. You know, you have Reggie Cannon, which obviously would be one of them. You have Miles Robinson, which, you know, he had the game winner and he's been playing really well, had a, another goal earlier as well. You know, I think he only been with the national team for nine games so far and I already scored three goals. Uh, looks pretty solid as a player, especially in this Gold Cup. Um, you know, you have Busio, which 
that's for me that he has to be part of this next squad. Um, and then you have um, Christian uh, Roldan, which, you know, it's another big uh, U.S. player or future player, I would say, that I can see him being part of the next squad um, as a key piece. You know, once we get, you know, the Pulisic, the uh, Reina, Sergio Des, everybody else back on this squad, um, those players must remain there. And I guess on the negative side of things, you know, the players that are not going to get to come back, um, I, I see it really hard for Sebastian Liguette to, you know, be part of the World Cup team. But I, I also kind of see, like, it's a good thing for him of winning this uh, Gold Cup. You know, um, I think that's that's a big thing that he was missing, at least for his career and um, personal, I guess, trophies. But that's actually, you know, I, I like that, you know, there, there's players that are, this is going to be their most memorable um, probably appearance with the U.S. national team. And um, and as far as the Mexican side goes, you know, for the most part, I think all of these players are going to be in some way, some form, um, in and out of the of the Mexico squads through qualifiers. And possibly, um, I want to say maybe 80% of the squad will end up making it to the a World Cup squad. Yeah, and I think one of the players that you didn't mention was the goalie, uh, Matt Turner. I mean, the dude had been playing lights out with New England. And a lot of people were saying, you know, uh, you know, a couple of years back when he was probably named one of the top players in the league, how he was an older, you know, he was in obviously he's 27. I think, you know, he was um, kind of like a late starter or late known player. But the guy, I mean, he's a great uh, shot blocker, PK blocker. I mean, the guy is very solid. And like you said, he may be one other guy that may get bumped out out of like, uh, you know, the qualifiers and whatnot. And when you have players like Zach Steffen or um, Ethan Har- Harbot uh, playing and stuff like that. So that's in the U.S. perspective. And one thing that I wanted to mention that you said, you know, how like the media or there was a lot of criticism um, and harsh criticism in my perspective was against um, Mexican. Uh, yeah, me- the Mexican player. um Carlos Salcedo, I feel like, you know, not necessarily in this final, and obviously he didn't start. So one one big thing here uh, in the Gold Cup final, you know, you had Hector Moreno and uh, Nestor Araujo playing as the, um, you know, the center backs. And then uh, uh, Hector Moreno gets hurt, they put in Salcedo, and then Salcedo gets hurt, and then they put in, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Tubu? It's a D- I, mean, I always forget, I'm trying to remember the nickname. <laughs> Tiba. Tiba. Tiva, uh, yeah, <clears throat> Tiva Sepulveda. And uh, so when they put in uh, Sepulveda, you know, you already have three different combinations of center backs. That's never ideal. I mean, you know, you never ever, I mean, your two center backs are super important pieces. You need the chemistry for them to play. And for them to only concede one goal, that says a lot about that, you know, because that is very challenging to come in and have that uh, happen. But going back to Salcedo, you know, again, <laughs> dude, it seems like nowadays, you know, watching, especially watching on the the Spanish side television, um, hearing like all the commentators just like bash out on one player and kind of picking one player apart. And we all know kind of how Carlos Salcedo can be. He's like a hot, you know, hot-headed guy. Um, he can be very explosive. And I think it's easy to pick on players like that because their character shows that they may just, you know, kind of do whatever the hell they want to do. And that that showed like you we talked before, like we started recording the fact that when he was coming in as a sub, 
he was taking his sweet time. I mean, uh, Hector Moreno was like waiting at the line and you had Salcedo like literally taking five minutes trying to put his shin guards on and the coaches are yelling at him. But before that, in the semifinal, you know, he made an error. I don't know if you got to see that match, but he made an error that like the he let the ball bounce, basically, you know, like kind of it was early in the first half. I believe he made like an error of like letting the ball bounce and kind of made, you know, it could have been a goal scoring opportunity. But at the end of the day, it wasn't. And the commentators and the media were just like, you know, for 10, 20 minutes, all they would talk about was how Salcedo, oh, my God, how did he let that happen? Oh, my God, like, that's a big error. He, nobody scored. You know what I mean? Like, uh, When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, in this U.S. game, he did the exact same thing. They played it to him. He tried to, you know, dribble in the back, ended up losing the ball. Literally, this was, I think, the 80-something minute, I want to say. If not, it was was right before he ended up getting subbed out. So it had to be still in the first, um, the regulation time. But yeah, he lost the ball. And then I think they ended up getting a shot. But um, Araujo ended up just heading it out. You know, and that's basically kind of you, you can't commit those kind of errors. And no, for you know, sure. And it wasn't just one game. It's, you know, it's multiple errors. And it's not like he's playing, I wouldn't say with confidence, but he like he just doesn't care. Like, OK, if I mess up and we get scored on, you know, we'll try to score again. But that could just be it. No, and I agree on what you're saying, because, again, my point is the fact that, you know, especially like a player like that, you know, like, I mean, being in Houston, we had like a Romel Kyoto. Right. When fans started getting, you know, just, you know, obviously this guy's a super talented player. I mean, we know Sadzelo's a super talented player. You know, I got into playing in big cl- uh, clubs and playing in MLS and played in Europe and why not. So overall, this guy's a talented player. But when, you know, the media and the fans are just, you know, turning on him, you know, your your mentality changes. Right. Like you're not focused. Like you said, you're going to have this careless attitude. But at the end of the day, a lot of those errors that he was committing, they weren't being punished. That's what I was trying to say. You know, like there's a difference if you're, you know, committing these errors and you're getting scored on, you know, every time you do that. But that wasn't the case. And to me, it's like, why do you keep uh, why does the media, why do the fans keep like exploiting, you know, the aspect of like, oh, my God, this guy's committing errors. But it's like, OK, nothing happened, you know, like. It was in the semifinal. Yes, the one of the errors that he he scored one of the goals, I believe, didn't he? No, okay. At the for some reason, I thought that he had scored, and then they, we got scored on. But I may have it wrong. But um, you know, obviously he missed a PK in the semifinals. Uh, 
you know, I think it's just one of those players, you know, people are already saying that he shouldn't be uh, called up to the team anymore. And I just don't see it like justify that he shouldn't be called up, if that makes sense. And I think that's the, the issue that I have with the criticism of like the everybody just turning on one player. Same thing with like Chicharito. Not everybody wants Chicharito to be called up. When I, like for the longest time, people kept hating on him. Like, why is he getting called up? He's not playing in Europe. You know, why is he doesn't have any action? Why is he getting called up? So it's just people just want to uh, make, you know, a, a, some kind of case of when yeah, you're good yeah, and I when mean, you're bad. I think they're just trying to assign blame to one single player, which obviously, you know, um, this is just a team sport. But at the same time, I think I don't think it's just the football playing aspect of it. I think it just has to be with leadership and other things, you know. Because at his age, you would want to see somebody more as a captain. And this guy is literally starting fights on the field. And you don't want that as a, you know, no captain ever starts a fight on purpose. If anything, you're doing the opposite. You start, you're trying to pull your players away. And uh, and when things got heated and, you know, the in the, uh, the semifinal against Canada and a little bit in the U.S., he's the first one to almost basically start throwing punches. And, um, and you don't want that. And that's what makes it look bad. And then his decision-making, you know, he decided to take the penalty against Canada, thought he was the right man to do it. And, you know, it gets saved, um, you know, and then you have this little errors, as you mentioned, and it's just kind of like, you know, there's nothing positive coming out of it. So it's just one of those things that um, I, I don't see that he wouldn't get called up again. But man, when you look at our team, and I guess I can deviate a little bit, I guess we're talking more now aspects in the US Mexico uh, squads, but the Olympic squad, you know, you have um, Cesar Montes, which, you know, he's what, 6'3", uh, young defender. He's quick. You know, he showed pretty solid. You know, we have up-and-coming defenders. Um, Sepulveda as well. I like him. I'm a little bit shorter than what you like for a center back. I think he's barely 5'11", maybe 6 feet. Um, but he's solid, you know. He's a solid defensive player. And I like his attitude. He reminds me of, like, a... Uh, Angolo Kante kind of style and like um, demeanor um, and the way he plays and the way he, I guess, approaches just situational things. But, as, you know, the Olympic squad obviously took basically all the forwards. What the, what this gold, gold, uh, gold Cup squad was missing is what the Olympic squad had. You know, they had players that are good dribblers. You know, they can be creative in the midfield or quick. Um, you had, you know, good, good offensive players as well, you know, good wings. Um, basically, they, you know, they took that. So, yeah, I mean, this this Gold Cup, you know, not, not to make excuses, but this Gold Cup team, um, it, it's a decent squad, obviously, to compete. We obviously expected more. But at the same time, there's still a lot this Mexico team has to offer, um, especially looking back. And, you know, you already lost two finals against the U.S. Um, right now, I'm sure more than anything, more Mexicans are basically, you know, you know, shedding on the team, basically, you know, <laughs> you're just trying to find anything to blame this team, which I honestly don't think we have a bad squad. Um, I don't think the U.S. is going to have a bad squad. Like, I'm actually excited for the next World Cup and more than anything, the 2026 World Cup, you know, I think that's really going to show both teams at their probably their full potential level as they're growing. And hopefully we can see, you know, Canada, and um, Honduras and everybody else also pick up their level. But I think we're going to see something special, I think, in the next few years with these two, this two um, squads. And, you know, the, um, 
the passion of the rivalry is just going to keep building up. Yeah, and one thing that I want to add that you hit it on the dot when it comes to, you know, Carlos Salcedo, you know, the guy is not a teenager, right? I mean, he's been playing for a while. He's like 28, 29. And uh, when you see a player like like Busio in the U.S., so cool, calm, collected, you know, uh, he has like that leadership um, mentality and style of kind of like showing with actions. And I think, to be honest, That was pretty much all of their squad. And, and you know, sometimes you need that. I mean, you may not be like the most talented player, but if you have that composure and you are consistent, you're always going to win. I think at the end of the day, it's easier. And I think all these guys that the U.S. filled it literally have about the same type of, you know, characteristics when it comes to that. You know, I don't think necessarily, again, Matthew Hoppe was probably Hoppe. Hape, it's uh, they kept pronouncing it so different every time I heard it. But uh, he he was probably one of the ones that was probably the cockiest. You know what I mean? Like him and maybe Paula Rilla. But everybody else was so just so focused on getting this, you know, done, beating Mexico in two straight finals. Right? I mean, it's a big deal. Mexico doesn't lose two straight finals ever within a month. You know, uh, playing against Concacaf rivals. I mean, we know that. You know, go go Cubs tend to go like one U.S., one Mexico, one U.S., one Mexico. Like it's always flip-flopping and the Mexico always makes the case as being los grandes de CONCACAF in quotation marks. But from the Mexican side, I take people like Ed, Edson Alvarez. I think the guy has cemented his role um, playing, you know, that defensive midfield um, position. I feel like Nestor Arajo is probably still and the talks of being, you know, starter for the team, obviously Tecatito. And from there, I mean, even um, Aurelien Pineda was a very good a key player for the team. You know, he started again kind of slow as well, but I think he was consistent enough. And then you have players like Ache you know, Hector Herrera, that at times he just looks so re too, too relaxed and losing the ball, like when he shouldn't be losing the ball. Um, You know, you're a very good player you know you play in atletico madrid you just won la liga and i feel that that like kind of like the attitude of like not necessarily i'm better than you per se but you know whenever you you already did something big you are definitely more relaxed and not necessarily the final but even in the semifinal he just kind of looked like he was too relaxed and then players like jesus gallardo and chaka rodriguez tend to be really good for the mexican They weren't just there, you know, it was in their tournament and that's okay. It happens, right? Like there's some people that are on some games and some are not. And out of both of those, I think Gallardo was the one that kind of seemed like to suffer more. Um, he was definitely not on point. He used to uh, always, you know, be on that, that sideline with his defending and attacking. And we definitely lacked that. And of course, not having the, uh, the forwards to finish it off. And man, Rodrigo, I think we've hit, talked a lot about um, the Gold Cup. Man, finish your thoughts on this Gold Cup or just Mexico or the U.S. Um, before we change the subject, man. I don't really have much to say. I mean, I think we covered, or, you know, I had to say what I had to say. Um, I'm excited for both squads moving forward. Um, qualifiers are going to be, you know, a heck of a matches between the two squads and also the other games they have coming up. Um, you know, with the respective, with the respective uh, CONCACAF teams. And Mexico obviously will start off um, playing with no fans due to the whole, 
um, FIFA ban of the because of the homophobic uh, chant, which honestly, at this point, and that's that's the only thing I would say about I guess my closing thoughts is we heard it throughout the uh, Gold Cup. And if anything's going to keep Mexico from reaching a World Cup, it's going to be that. Um, you can't have fans keep doing this and knowing that FIFA is after Mexico and the Mexican fans. Yes, you can do what they're doing now, which is going to be, um, you know, closed doors games. But when you get to a World Cup and you know how Mexicans like to travel, um, I don't think those Mexicans would do that, especially traveling to a World Cup. But if they do, you know, they can close the doors, you know, they can play, you know, uh, with no fans at those games because you're losing a lot of money. So it just makes sense that Mexico will be disqualified before even going over there. So, yeah, I honestly just think that needs to stop. But other than that, I think we're going to see two two great squads coming together. Um, I think Tata Martino's here to stay as of now. If anybody were to step up, I think it's time to look for Man, I, I really like Piojo. Um, I think he did a great job back then. I think he knows the players. He has that passion built in him, and that's what the players need. I think this is what this Mexican squad needed the most, was just some kind of passion for the game. Like you said, everybody looked, you know, like just there because they had to be there. Um, team chemistry didn't look as great. They came together more, I guess, after, you know, uh, Jonathan Dos Santos and Giovanni's dad passed away. They seem a little bit more, you know, like, hey, we're here, here with you and um through this tough time but other than that before that they just did not seem as a like you know there was no unity between them and um and that kind of you know changed them and unfortunately you know they ended up losing uh the final but there's a lot to you know if this if this is going to be the main core plus the olympic um key players or the you know missed this gold cup um i think we're going to have a good squad yeah, and just to touch real quick, obviously the Olympics, uh, they ended up losing the semifinal. So they'll be, uh, Mexico will be playing to win a bronze medal, uh, which is a little disappointing, but they, they played a pretty good Brazil team that knocked them out in PKs. Um, but yes, a lot of the players are probably and most likely going to be part of the qualification stages, especially the players like um, the guy that played for America, what was his name, Cordoba? um or cordoba whatever um the dude is very good and he definitely showed up this tournament but with that i mean that's pretty much all our episode i do want to touch the fact that we have concacaf champions league coming up next week and we'll most likely hit on them before they start as well as rodrigo what did you mention was leagues cup the 2021 leagues cup is also happening uh, and I will let you we'll run down real quick. Uh, uh, so August 10th, you have Seattle Sounders against Tigres. And then uh, you also have Sporting KC playing Leon. August 11th, you have New York FC playing against Puma, Sunam. Uh, and then August 12th, which is my wife's birthday, and I probably won't be able to watch it, but Orlando City playing against Santos Laguna. Uh, so those are pretty good matches to watch. Obviously, this tournament started in 2019, and it was eventually canceled last year. Um, nobody played. Um, but uh, uh, And then the Champions League, we have two great semifinals going to happen uh, as well. August 11, you have Monterrey playing Cruz Azul at 9 p.m., and then Club America playing the lonely uh, MLS team, which is Philadelphia Union, August 12 at 9 p.m. as well. 
Rodrigo, with that being said, man, I guess uh, I can close those out since you panicked last week, but it's all good. Um, so, yeah, guys, uh, just make sure to, uh, you know, keep uh, liking, subscribing, uh, follow us on our social media and keep crossing soccer borders.